there's no government mechanism in place to stop that cruelty from occurring or to detect it if it is occurring. There's no inspectors and there's nothing that they can inspect because there's no provincial regulations for how animals should be treated on farms. This is Defender Radio. I'm Michael Howie, and this is Defender Radio, the podcast for wildlife advocates and animal lovers brought to you by the Fur Bears. Bill 156 is dangerous for animals. This Ontario legislation, introduced in late 2019, targets those who find their ways onto animal agricultural facilities and document disregard for animal welfare or individuals who are working on farms and become whistleblowers in the face of blatant animal cruelty. It's billed as a way to protect the security of farmers and food production, but if that was the intent, it would focus on the farms, not those who find problems with them. Now, animal agriculture isn't an area I spend a lot of time researching outside of its relationship with wildlife conflicts, But some of the people who are dear to me in my life are passionate about this subject, and I witnessed their distress in the face of this legislation. That's why I wanted to talk to Camille Labchuk, Executive Director at Animal Justice. We get into what this legislation will actually mean and how animal lovers and activists can take action against it. We also discuss the PAWS Act, Ontario's new animal welfare legislation that replaces the enforcement actions of the Ontario SPCA. Let's get into it. I thought the, the best place to start is to learn a bit about this Bill 156. So I'm one of many people. I'm not personally involved with animal agriculture beyond its association to wildlife typically. But the people around me who are all very quickly started protesting this new legislation. When I looked it up, of course, animal justice was right on the forefront of fighting it. Can can you tell us a bit about what Bill 156 is meant to be? Uh, and then we can get into what it will be, I suppose, after. Sure. Well, the way the government describes Bill 156, it says that it's all about protecting farmers from trespasses on their properties and protecting biosecurity concerns on farms. That means things like diseases that might impact animals. Uh, But what the bill is actually designed to do is make it more difficult for people to expose hidden cruelty on farms. Uh, We know that animal cruelty on farms runs rampant, and yet those farms aren't regulated. There's no government rules for how they should be run with respect to animal welfare. There's no government inspectors. There's essentially no one watching. The the fox is quite literally guarding the hen house in this case. And instead of bringing in some sort of system to make farming more transparent and address consumer concerns about where their food comes from, the government is instead trying to make it an offense to expose cruelty on farms. So just to get down into the details a little bit, one of the one of the things the bill does is, is massively jack up trespass fines for people who walk onto farm property. And trespass is already an offense, so that's not a change, but it's a much more punitive fine. But one of the really disturbing aspects of this is the bill says that if you have consent to be on someone's property, maybe because you're an employee or because they said you could be on their farm property, but that consent was obtained through, quote, false pretenses, then that's actually a trespass and subject to those same fines. So if you think about someone who might get a job on a farm and is legally there, but then decides they want to expose some illegal cruelty that they see, this is the kind of provision that could uh, slap them with massive tens of thousands of dollars fines. 
And what does it do uh, in regards to any kind of jail time or anything like that? Would it affect the sentencing? Because right now, uh, well, why don't we, we we pause and say right now, if one is charged with trespass, which would be the charge that exists, I imagine, uh, what are they looking at as a punishment? A typical trespass ticket right now, that this is a set fine for it. So if you're given a ticket by a cop and you go pay it off right away, it's uh, less than $100. But what they want to do with this legislation is Jack fines up to uh, up to $10,000 for a first offense and up to $25,000 for a second offense. So it represents a significant increase, um, more than, say, trespassing on a school property or other sensitive locations. They're carving out farms as uh, farms and slaughterhouses and other areas where animals use are used. They're carving those out as some sort of special area that is more sensitive and people just can't go there or they'll be hit with these massive fines. And like the other disturbing thing the bill does is it calls these zones animal protection zones, Mm. which, of course, is, you know, 1984 talk to the nth degree because nothing protecting animals really happens on a farm. It's quite the opposite. Well, and I just looked this up because I wanted to give this more comparison. According to a... I'm not going to guess how quality this law firm is, but I pulled up the first one that showed up on Google for impaired driving penalties for a first offense. So you said first offense for trespass under this bill would be up to $10,000 or start at $10,000 in uh, for impaired driving. The fine is $550 uh, as of January, 2019 for impaired driving. So drunk driving a court, like if we were to weigh this in terms of punishments, Drunk driving is at times less of a problem than whistleblowing animal cruelty. That's a great comparison. It hadn't occurred to me, but you're right. Uh, typical fine for an impaired driving offense is uh, less than what we're looking at for the maximum for a trespass offense. So a trespass offense just involves being on property. It doesn't mean that somebody has damaged property or interfered in any way. It just means being on someone's property or inside a barn where animals are kept. So it's pretty draconian that they're going to this extent, and it makes you wonder what they have to hide. Well, and that's a great question. So in theory, again, I'm going to get into the hypothetical world here. I would be quite content saying, okay, we're going to make it a lot harder for people to trespass on the farmer's properties. Is there something in place currently in that their facility is being inspected, their workers are being watched, and all of these things are happening so that there isn't a need for people to get involved in a more direct way? Well, that's exactly the problem, is that right now no one is watching. And you can really sympathize with the activists who do take matters into their own hands and perhaps do a nighttime visit to a firm to see the reality of what goes on there. It's because that would be the only way that they have to get that information and to appreciate what life is like for animals behind a closed doors farm. So these animals, and there's tens of millions of them, hundreds of millions of them uh, used and killed every year in Ontario, they are kept behind closed doors in places where the public just doesn't have access to. We may drive through the countryside and occasionally see a few cows in the field, but no one ever gets a glimpse into the mass chicken farms where thousands of animals are confined and, and raised for a few weeks before they're killed. No one gets to see that unless somebody does uh, an expose or a whistleblowing employee comes forward or someone walks onto that property at night and takes some pictures and puts them on the Internet. And, you know, instead of cracking down on the people who are trying to bring those conditions and bring that truth to the public, 
it's really time for the government to actually regulate these facilities and have publicly available inspection reports so that the public can understand the truth. And that seems like it would be a reasonable request, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and I guess that's when we look at these things in the public light, when we read the the briefs on news sites that don't go into the arguments, um, we just hear, well, farmers don't want strangers walking on and causing problems. And it sounds reasonable because like, yeah, I wouldn't want someone walking into my backyard and asking JJ how she's feeling today. That would be weird uh, and potentially dangerous. Like there, there, there are reasonable concerns on the one side of industry, but again, in the context of the whole, those concerns fall apart. And I'm not sure how to get that across either. Well, I think the government's trying very hard to keep the emphasis on trespass and protecting people's farms and their property, but they ignore the reality, which is that most animals killed on farms uh, or, or raised on farms and later killed at the slaughterhouse, they're not kept inside some family operation anymore. Maybe a family is running the farm, but they're industrial facilities. They are modern, massive barns that aren't inside a person's house. They may be on the same property or they may be somewhere else, but it's not like it's, it's not like it's activists walking into someone's living room. It's quite a different situation. These are industrial facilities that confine tens of thousands of animals in some cases and uh, completely opaque facilities that the public just doesn't have access to. So I, I can see that the government's trying very hard to communicate about this in a way that tries to emphasize the biosecurity and property protection concerns. But I would urge anyone listening to just ignore that and remember that the truth of the matter is, is that this is legislation designed to conceal animal cruelty. It's about one thing and one thing only. And that's, I mean, I don't know how to get around that. If we're, if we're being purely logical, yeah, that's, I... Well, you know what it comes down to is the fact that people just aren't accepting of this situation anymore. And that's why we're seeing so many trespasses on farms, and that's why we're seeing undercover exposés of what happens on farms. Uh, we've gotten to the stage where people now understand that this is an issue that, you know, animal rights, animal protection, it's an issue that affects us all. Whether we're vegetarian or vegan and don't want to eat animals or whether we're not and we don't want the animals who end up on our plates to be abused, it's something that people are concerned about. And there's pretty disturbing evidence, actually, in the States that when uh, states have tried to pass these so-called egg-gag laws, gagging people from speaking out about agriculture issues, uh, those laws, by the way, have uh, almost universally so far been challenged and struck down by the courts as a violation of the Constitution in the States. And I think the same thing would be true for Canada. But when those laws do pass, there's disturbing evidence that people feel less confidence in the food system when they hear about them, when they hear about the fact that the government and the industries are pushing these laws to try to hide what's going on. They understandably feel less confident that they can rely on the safety of the food system. So it has exactly the opposite effect to what the government says it should. Yes. Uh, and I was actually, I'm looking at an, uh, an opinion by uh, Thomas Wacom uh, from the Star. Uh, and I'm not sure if he quoted you directly or if he pulled from um, your press release, but uh, has quotes from you in it. Uh, and you bring up that point. I was going to mention that. And it's interesting too, that he lists all of these investigations that revealed horrifying conditions and uh, and it's entirely possible that you gave him these, I suppose, now looking at it that way. But point being, like, the reason we know about these situations where animals were treated horrifically in terrible conditions, uh, in some cases, like, just flat out abused, is because of these whistleblower complaints. 
Um, it's because of these actions of individuals. And there's nothing happening to prevent that from occurring, the actual cruelty. That's right. There, There's no government mechanism in place to stop that cruelty from occurring or to detect it if it is occurring. There's no inspectors and there's nothing that they can inspect because there's no provincial regulations for how animals should be treated on farms. Mm-hmm. And that's why when people do go undercover, I mean, just a few examples, I, I think perhaps Mr. Walkham mentioned some of these in his column, but in uh, 2014, 2015, a facility called Hybrid Turkeys was exposed by Mercy for Animals for yep. pretty egregious cruelty. There were turkeys being uh, kicked and abused, turkeys with wounds, turkeys with their spinal columns being crushed by inappropriate devices. And that company actually pled guilty to account of provincial animal cruelty. That was one example. Uh, We've seen other investigations by Mercy for Animals, by PETA, uh, by Animal Justice at a a zoo called the Papanak Zoo, where a trainer Mm -hmm. admits to beating a baby lion cub. Uh, There was a last chance for animal investigation that's resulted in charges against the Guelph area fur firm. The list goes on and on and on. And these are all situations where whistleblowers expose that cruelty because the government wasn't watching. So as a public, we rely on these brave whistleblowers to go in there and find out the truth for us. And it's it's I don't it's alarming. That's that's all I can say is it's it's alarming that the government is effectively trying to slap down the people who want people to do better and emboldening those who are the problem um, or the potential problem. Uh, so animal justice is very much on top of this, I know. Uh, what is your ask to the public? I suppose there's a couple of things here, but uh, I know there's an action and I'm wondering if there's any other messaging that you're trying to push out there. Well, the thing that the public can help with the most is meeting with MPPs and telling them that this legislation just isn't acceptable. Uh, We're hoping that the opposition parties will come out against it. They've definitely expressed some concerns so far in the debates, the NDP and the Greens. And uh, I think it's something that they should be on board with. So no matter if you've got a government representative or if you've got an opposition representative, please meet with them, express your concerns, tell them why the government should regulate animal welfare and not punish the people who try to protect animals on farms. Talking about Bill 156, it is very clearly created to appease the the farming industry, uh, animal farming industry. Is there concern that uh, perhaps the, the liberals, I think is probably the best example, um, would continue to support this because of the what I would I think is a widening rural urban divide in politics? That is a concern. Uh, as bad as this legislation may be, and we may see it struck down in court, I still worry that if a, a subsequent government gets elected, that they may be scared to repeal it because the agriculture lobby is so powerful. I mean, the dairy lobby is being compared in Ottawa uh, to the NRA mm-hmm. in terms of its coverage of, of the city. Like, it lobbies effectively. It has receptions all the time. It sends all this money whining and dining politicians. And uh, we know that the animal movement so far just has not been able to compete with those folks. Um, They're the loudest voice at the table, and we have to change that. So I hope that we will. And one way that people can play a role in doing that is meeting with their politicians. While this is happening, uh, while we're having this conversation, um, and we're asking people to meet with their MPPs, I think uh, visit animaljustice.ca to see you can take action there as well. Um, there's also new animal welfare coming out and I, I've not done any reading on this. I shut my brain off over the holidays largely. Um, and 
this comes on the heels of I don't I can't recall what was Animal Justice involved in the um the case like with the OSPCA. Yes, yes, we were. So uh, just background for your listeners, mm-hmm. it was a constitutional challenge to the, the fact that the Ontario SPCA, as a private charity, was uh, engaged with enforcing animal protection laws in the province. And the claim in the case was that it's just not appropriate in 2019 for a private charity to be doing that um, because it actually potentially violates the Constitution and, and people's rights to uh, being treated fairly by our legal system. So we intervened in that case, and the, the court that decided it at the first instance adopted all of our arguments. Um, Animal Justice took the position that, yeah, it was a problem for private charities to be doing this work because they're not transparent and they're not accountable to the public. And we, as animal advocates, we can't be confident that justice is being done if we can't see that it's being done. So we were happy that the court agreed with us. And the court said, okay, province, you have 12 months to create a new legislative system. For this, um, for this whole regime of law enforcement for animal welfare. And the province went away, and to its credit, it did a pretty good job. So, Mike, in uh, to October 2019, it introduced the PAWS Act, Provincial Animal Welfare Services Act. And the PAWS Act, for the first time, brings animal welfare into the fully public sphere. So it's now going to be run by government agents, uh, inspectors, and so on, and the chief animal welfare officer who will run this inspection unit and they are promising a massive budget increase. So the devil is in the details. Uh, the legislation is now passed, and that force is in existence, but it will be. It remains to be seen how well they will fund it and how effective it will be. So it's a good step, but we're going to keep our eye on it. That sounds promising at the very least, particularly under this government, um, that we have not seen a whole lot of social justice support, I'll call it. Yeah, and I think what it really indicates is that animal protection is not a partisan issue. Uh, Conservatives, liberals, NDP, Greens, people across the ideological political spectrum understand the importance of protecting animals in the province and having a good system and structure to do that. Uh, I should mention as well that apart from setting up an animal cruelty inspectorate, the legislation also seems to suggest that the government will introduce the regulation under the legislation. Um, laws to protect animals in zoos, so potentially a regulatory regime there, mm-hmm. and some laws restricting the animals that people in Ontario can own, because it may shock people to learn that the only animals you can't own right now in this province are a pit bull and an orca. Yep. So dangerous cats, dangerous bears, uh, large elephants who don't do well in captivity, it's fine to own those animals. There's no provincial rules against doing it, which is a shame. And uh, I should point out that the the so-called pit bull ban uh, is breed-specific legislation, which has been shown to fail at reducing oh, bites. An, like that's that was the argument for failure. it. Yeah, all of the statistics here and worldwide show it to fail. Um, but it did result in a whole lot of dead dogs. Uh, so a whole lot of dead dogs. But yeah, yes. there's, there's no longer any debate that breed-specific legislation, so bans against pit bulls or other dogs, are completely ineffective. And actually, uh, there is a private member's bill now before the legislature that would repeal the breed-specific legislation. Oh, excellent. So that, um, yeah, and that's proposed by a government MPP as well. So that's uh, at least one positive move there, too. Do you know who it is? It's MPP Rick Nichols. Rick Nichols, okay. He's he's the MPP for the uh, Chatham area, which... Interestingly enough, a few years ago, there was a dog fighting ring busted in his area, and 
the Ontario SPCA wanted to put down uh, 20 some uh, pit bull dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think he started to appreciate the importance of the issue based on that case. Um, in the end, we were we were involved in the court case. Um, other groups, including Dog Tales Rescue and Sanctuary, were as well. And there was a solution worked out where the dogs, most of them, were saved. So that was good news. But I think that really drove home to everyone how stupid it is in this day and age to still have breed-specific laws. Absolutely. And I think Randy Hillier was a, a big push against it, too, for a while when the bill first came in. But um, as I recall, it was also very political when uh, the, the Dog Owner Liability Act was amended back around 2004. Um, mm-hmm. But off that tangent, uh, what's sort of the, the next step with this animal welfare legislation? As you said, we're, we're waiting to see how it's going to roll out. Is there a way for people to support it or to say, yes, good first step now, let's see what you got? Or is it very much a wait and see and then respond situation? Well, it's never a bad idea to contact your legislator and let them know your concerns about the issues because they do listen. And if they get a lot of calls or meetings about animal issues, that says to them that people do care. So it's important to show that. Um, So I would suggest just getting in touch with your MPP's office, letting them know that you're happy to see the PAWS Act passed, but that we really need strong regulations through the Act to make sure animals are protected from, from different types of cruelty. Uh, The devil really is in the details, so we're going to be watching that closely and pushing to make sure it's as strong as it can be. To take action on Bill 156 and learn more about other legal issues facing animals and animal advocates in Canada, visit animaljustice.ca. You can also check out their amazing animal law podcast, Paw and Order. It's a great show, and it is my favorite name for a podcast ever. Find it at animaljustice.ca or wherever you listen to podcasts like this one. I want to thank Camille for sharing her expertise and time with me on this interview, particularly considering how hard of a time I had with organizing my thoughts. Patrons will get to hear an outtake of me just absolutely failing and flailing. Visit patreon.com slash Defender Radio to find out more about that. I'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode and Bill 156. Join me on Facebook or Twitter at Defender Radio and on Instagram at Howie Michael to let the world know what you think. Until next time, I'm Michael Howie for Defender Radio and the Fur Bears, reminding you to be kind and to stay informed and stay strong. Stay strong.